good morning. Once again, welcome to Berean Reformed Baptist Church. And uh, we are in Ephesians. We are in Ephesians chapter 4. If you've got your Bibles with you, turn to Ephesians. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, and uh, we will be reading from um, verse 1 to 12, sorry, verse 1 to 13, and today we'll be uh, anchoring or spending our time in verse 12 and 13. This is the word of God. Hear it as it comes to you. I, therefore, this is the Apostle Paul speaking or writing, I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives. And he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean? But that he had also descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all, all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. This is the word of God. Praise be to you. If, if you, are, you have just joined us, we have been going through the, the letter of the Apostle Paul to the Christians or the Ephesian Christians. And we are in chapter 4. We do what we call verse by verse exposition. Verse by verse. So today we will be in verse 12 to 13 of Ephesians chapter 4. 
And last week or last time out when we looked at um, chap uh, chapter 4 verse 11, we saw that the Lord Jesus Christ gave gifts to the church. When he ascended, he gave gifts to the church. And those gifts included the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. And so we saw, that, we saw last time that we divided these uh, teachers or uh, this teaching ministry into two groups. That the apostles and prophets uh, have since ceased to be in operation, but continue, in a sense, to be in operation through the scriptures. We read about the prophets. We read about the apostles. And they continue to exhort us through what we call scripture. And then we saw that those who continue to be in operation today in terms of ministry are pastors, evangelists, and teachers. And so today what we'll be doing is to we want to see the function of teachers and evangelists and pastors. They're, they're really... An evangelist, a teacher, and a pastor are really one thing. They, they, they just differ slightly in their roles. For example, evangelists uh, focus on reaching primarily to people who are unsaved. Pastors shepherd the flock of the Lord Jesus Christ. Teachers uh, also teach in the church. So they're, they're basically one thing. So my sermon today is called The Role of Teaching or Preaching in the Church. Because really, this is what Paul is talking about. He now gives us, from verse 12 to 13, the, the role or the reason for teaching and preaching in the church. Listen to the word of God. From verse 11 to 13. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the, for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. We'll stop there. Now, this is what I want to say before I start. The church of God, whether you are a preacher or whether you are what we call the laity, we need each other. I think there is a disconnect in many, of, in many of these churches where there's an, there's an extreme of a pastor who is a CEO, a pastor who is disconnected from his congregation, 
a pastor who wants to be treated like a god, where people come and worship him. And then there's also the extreme of where the congregation abuse the pastor. They treat the pastor like nothing. The congregation are known as vicious animals. They fire and hire pastors at their own at any given moment. But here what we see is that the Apostle Paul gives us the reason for teaching, for the teaching ministry. And the truth is, churches need pastors and teachers. God is the one that gifts men. And those men who have been, who have been saved by grace through faith and have been gifted in such a way are there to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ. So, in other words, this is what the Apostle Paul is saying. Paul is saying the pastors are there to equip the saints through preaching and teaching. And also living in a certain way. And, and in turn, the, the saints of God are meant to build each other up. You are taught for you to serve. So we serve one another. As the preacher is teaching and the people of God are being changed by the word of God, the people of God build each other up. Kana vangeli lichiparizo, kana shoko lichiparizo, shoko ramwari lichiparizo. You are to also build others up through words of encouragement, through exhortation, etc., etc., etc. Now I want to I, I want to uh, break this passage into this way. First of all, I want us to look at what a pastor or teacher must be. Okay? Then secondly, I want us to look at what a pastor or teacher must teach. Then I will go to the, to the response, to the saints, and apply it to each and every one of our lives. And then at the end, I will... Show us the relationship between pastors and the saints. A healthy relationship. A healthy balance. A biblical one. First of all, I want us to look at what a pastor must be. Paul is saying, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers. So what, what is a pastor? Or what, what is a pastor? What should a pastor be? First of all, a, a pastor must be qualified. A pastor must be qualified. Okay? Where do we get this in the Bible? We get this in 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy. First Timothy chapter 3. And we... we, we 
the qualifications of, of, of elders. First Timothy chapter 3. Ino chizo. The saying is trustworthy if anyone aspires to the office of overseer. So an overseer is an elder. He uses these words interchangeably. So a pastor is also an overseer. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach. Above reproach means that he must not... Uh, have scandals or be a scandalous individual. Far too many people nowadays who call themselves pastors have got scandals attached to them. They, they, they're not above reproach. He, he must be the husband of one wife. Far, far too many pastors nowadays uh, are, in, are entangled in many relationships adulterous relationships they are sleeping around but the bible here is saying that he must be a, 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 the husband of one wife he must be a one woman man in thought and in deeds so even pornography disqualifies you one, a pastor who is steeped in pornography is disqualified by the scriptures. It's not me, it's the scriptures. He must be self-controlled. There are so many men who do not have self-control, who says they are pastors. They don't have self-control with their mouths. They don't have self-control in their minds. They don't have self-control in their deeds. No self-control whatsoever. Respectable. He must be hospitable, able to teach. An elder or a pastor must be able to teach the gospel or teach the scriptures clearly for what they are. You can't just wake up and say, oh, I just want to be elder. You can't. He should not be a drunkard. I was with the elder Mochech Uchidakwa. Can't. Not violent. He must not be a violent individual who just wants to bash everyone. If I were, if you were to find me fighting with someone out there, the Bible disqualifies me. Should not be. Uh, he should be gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well, with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. Dear pastor, your children must be submissive. There they must be order in your house. It's not jumbled up and, you know, you've got a, a child who is, uh, you know, doing all sorts of scandals out there and you are just sitting, folding your hands saying, Ah, Maria, Maria, what's your children must be submissive. 
You must reign in your home. If you've got a very talkative wife, you must reign her in. If you've got a, a, a wife, a woman who's just always talking, gossiping, blabbering, what, what, you must reign them in as an elder. It's your duty. There are so many people nowadays who, who are so many men who do not take um, leadership in their homes. And thus, homes are falling apart. And if homes are falling apart, society will fall apart. If men are not taking leadership, biblical leadership in their homes, it's all going to fall apart. If men are not loving their wives and loving their children and taking care of their children, <laughs> you, you, you can't be an elder. And all those churches who put those men as elders, look at what's happened. Look, scandal after scandal. A man who's not qualified to be an elder, or a man who is not saved. A man, far too many people. Are in those positions and they're not qualified. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for the church of God? If someone cannot even take care of the basics, <laughs> this is what Paul is saying. If you cannot take care of your own home, how are you able to take care of God's people? If you know if you cannot take care of your own family, how can you address the problems of people? How can you take care of them if you cannot take care of your own family? And Paul is saying, he says he and he gave them pastors. And friends, this is true. The office is, is to be desired, but it's a heavy office. It is not a light office. It is not something to just say, oh, to walk in and say, ah, in Indian Fundis, I'm a pastor. Far too many people who call, them, call themselves pastors are actually not pastors. They're not. They're not. He must not be a recent convert or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into condemnation of the devil. Turn with me to Titus. Titus, I just want to, what a pastor must be, <laughs> he must be qualified. Chapter 1, verse 5, this is why I left you in Crete, so that you, may, you might put what remained in order and appoint elders in every town, as I directed you. If anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife and the uh, and and his children are uh, sorry and his children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination. For an overseer 
as God's steward, must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught, so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine. You can't, you can't teach a, a different gospel and live rightly. It's impossible. Those who teach this prosperity junk, they may look like they are good on the outside and they are in their lives in order, but I guarantee you, behind closed doors, they are skeletons and it's rotting. And those who who teach a contrary, it's not only the prosperity preachers, they are people who teach a different gospel. Everywhere. But they don't live rightly. They don't live. They, 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 they don't qualify. And friends, I have to say this, these qualifications do not mean that these men are not sinners. They are sinners. We are sinners. No one is righteous. No, not one. But what Paul is saying is that there must be a mark of consistency in one's life. What you see here should be what you see every day. Even in my shorts. Even as I'm working in the garden. Even as I'm walking in town. Even as I'm in my home. What you see here should be what you see. It, there must be a mark of consistency. Now, it does not mean that I won't fall. It does not mean that I will not sin. There must be. And elders are not above discipline. There are so many churches where, you know, if an elder sins, he's protected by all the other elders. And they say, no, 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 let's just try to, uh, they hide his sin. They, they, they sweep it under the rug and say, okay, no, I sinned, but you know, these are elders. Or maybe if he sins, they just act like he didn't sin at all. No, no, it's not the elders' fault, it's your fault. It's your fault, the congregants. If you want, leave. When the elders, but that that is what, that is what Martin Luther fought in the Reformation against Roman Catholicism. The Pope is like a god. But friends, pastors and elders are not above discipline. They're not. They must be called to account. And we have seen so many elders being disqualified from ministry. They must work, they must do their jobs or their work with diligence and carefulness. Because in a second, <laughs> it may come tumbling down. One minute you're preaching, the next you've lost your pastorate. What he must be? He must be qualified to be an elder. You qualify. <laughs> Not academic qualifications 
Or, or to say, no, no, this one has got a car, he's got four cars. I mean, some people qualify the elders with money. You know, if you, you have to be a CEO of some big company, you've got five cars. And, that's, and then when you come to church, people are like, yeah, that's an elder. But his soul is rotten. Elder has to be a dignified man. Above reproach. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. So, when you keep your, your, a close watch on what you teach and your life, you are not only saving yourself from damnation, you are saving the hearers. The past, that's what the pastor is. He's a shepherd. It's like a shepherd who's got sheep, but then he always leaves them to the wolves because he's not teaching the correct things. B, what the pastor must be, he must be trained. <laughs> huh? The pastor must be trained. Pastors and teachers are to be trained in what accords with sound doctrine. And friends, there is so much teaching that is happening nowadays, but it misses the mark. Pastors, teachers, and evangelists are to be ardent students of the apostles and prophets. Don't you see that in the text? When Paul says, and he, Christ, gave some to be apostles and prophets and evangelists, the evangelists and pastors and teachers should learn from the apostles and, and prophets. They sh in other words, they should know and understand the scriptures. They should be ardent students of the scriptures. You cannot be a pastor or an elder who does not know the scriptures. What are you going to be teaching people? 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. Do your best to present yourself uh, to God as one approved. A worker who has no need to be ashamed. Rightly handling the word of truth. Huh? Rightly handling the word of truth. Not abusing the scriptures. An approved workman conducts a ministry that reproduces itself. One. Two, he endures hardship for the sake of ministry. Pastors must lay down their lives. They must die in the ministry. Sticks to the word of truth and avoids false teaching. And pursues holiness while avoiding being contentious. So a pastor should be growing. An elder should be growing. By the way, each and every young man in the church should be trained up for eldership. When that person becomes saved, because you don't train people who are not saved. When that person becomes a Christian, he should be trained up for the work of ministry. Or the work of an elder. So that the ministry reproduces itself. 
And that is one way of avoiding cultic tendencies where people assemble around a figure. You train up leaders. It is, it is a firm and unwavering conviction of mine that the primary trainer of men in the local church is not the seminary or the colleges, but it's the church. The local church has the responsibility of training up men for ministry, or training up elders and leaders. And I do encourage people who feel called to the ministry to pursue studies, to, to, to go to seminary. In fact, I would say it is absolutely vital, but I would, I would not say that is the primary place where pastors and elders are to be trained. It's like saying, oh, brother and door here, then we say, oh, brother Doe, for you to be an elder, go to seminary. And then when you come back after four years and you've got your degree, we will lay hands on you. That's what many people do. That's what many churches do. They, don't, they, they, they leave the training of the young men to institutions, which more often than not have got lecturers who are unsaved. You know the gospel. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and they perceived that they were uneducated and common men, they were astonished, for they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Acts chapter 4, verse 13. Friends, you don't need a theological degree to be godly. <laughs> you, don't need, you don't need a doctorate to be a godly man, or a holy man, or a man pursuing holiness. You need Christ. You need the local church. You need to be trained by godly men. Notice, pastors and teachers are men. <laughs> the office, of course women can teach other women. They can teach children. But the office of elder, of pastor, because that's one office. so many prophetesses, women preachers, they must go home. <laughs> Let me put this as a side note before I move on to the next point. The church does not train unsaved men. We evangelize to unsaved men. Just like we do not disciple unbelievers, we evangelize to them. We only disciple or train men who are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Thus, pastors and teachers and evangelists must be saved. Far too many people who profess to be pastors do not know the gospel. They do not know Christ. They are dead men walking. They are skeletons on the pulpit. You know nothing of the gospel. You're just there, you come up, you babble, blah, 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 you start treating people to a circus. 
and people enjoy entertainment, entertainment, you go home. That is the case every Sunday. Secondly, I want us to see what a pastor must teach. What a pastor or teacher must teach. The, the three above mentioned offices or, or, or designations, because they are only one office, they require men who must know, defend, and proclaim the truth of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We must guard the gospel. It is precious. I, I, I must die for the gospel. What is the, Lord, what is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? What are the implications of it to an individual? Kanamun a Asangana nevangeli, ra Jesu Kristu, raparizwa, seriri mubaibi. Rino chinja moyowe munu. And munu, hagari, agadaro, ano chinja, even maitiro, even zhano, zhano fana, zhano chinja. Hapana kukunzi munu aga. Agasagane gospel rara Jesu Christu ano garango dara chuko farira zunjaga That's not Christianity. That's not the gospel. The gospel changes. If you remember the apostle Paul in in verse one of chapter nine, he was on his way to Damascus to arrest Christians. The the ones who were called of the way. They were going to be arrested by Saul of Tarsus. But on his way, he met Christ Jesus. And in verse 16, we are told that he was to be a slave of Christ. So, life changed. <laughs> in 15 verses, his life changed. <laughs> the Apostle Paul. In fact, if you read the, the text itself, it was only a few verses for him to meet the, the Lord Jesus Christ. But the point is, Christianity demands a change. The gospel demands a change. It calls you out from your life. It's like someone who's been hit by a truck. They do not remain the same. They do not remain the same. They change. God changes an individual through his gospel. They must know the gospel. They must teach it. They must teach the scriptures. The pastor must teach the scriptures. He, you've got 66 books in the Bible. But every week you come and you say, Blessing, hey, tongues, hey, roll on the ground. Hey, hey, une, uh, 66 books in the Bible. You've got 66 books to expose the scriptures. <laughs> from Genesis to Revelation. From Genesis chapter 1 to the last book of Revelation. Last chapter. 
And you spend the week saying, you come every week and you say, blessings upon blessings. Hey, there's someone who wants to bewitch you. Hey, Preach the gospel. Preach the gospel. Preach the Bible. Sound. There are so many pastors who sound like a broken record. Their congregants know what they're going to say even, even before they finish. It's the same thing the whole week. They know, okay, pastor is about to say this. He's about to talk about witchcraft. He's about to talk about tribalism. <laughs> He's about to talk about, uh, you know, all this. Which God doesn't do. Preach the gospel. Open up the scriptures. He gave them pastors and teachers to equip the saints of God for the work of ministry. The work, the word equip there means to make complete, to furnish, perfecting. That's what it means. So the, the pastors and teachers and evangelists are to equip the saints, to, to equip them through, the, uh, through teaching of the gospel, teaching and preaching to them so that they are made whole and complete. And the Apostle Paul confirms this in verse 13. He says, until we all attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, until we know the gospel, until we are ready to be glorified, until the Lord Jesus Christ returns, we are to be learning, we are to be ardent students of the scriptures. That's why the reformers said, Semper reformanda, keep on reforming, keep on learning. You, 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 you don't just become saved and you fold your arms and say, I'm not doing anything else, I'm, I'm done. You need to keep on learning and improving. There are areas of, there are areas in each of our lives which we need to improve, all of us. There are areas of our lives which we're not applying ourselves, which we're not applying the gospel. True. Right. Now, I move from the pastors and I move to the laity or the congregation. Notice, and I'll, and I'll say this at the end, towards the end. We are one. The distinction is just to show in classification what the Apostle Paul was talking about. But we are one. As a pastor, my righteousness is not more than the righteousness of someone in the, con in the congregation. We all have the same righteousness in Christ. The righteousness of Christ. And I want to apply this to our lives. What does this mean? To equip the saints for the work of ministry. For building up the body of Christ. Number one, saints of God should, should uh, receive teaching and instruction with eagerness. You must, you must receive the gospel being taught rightly with eagerness. The teaching is meant to equip the saints for ministry. And, and the word ministry there is diakonia. This is where we get diakonos. So in other words, we are, we, 
as the pastor is being equipped from reading the scriptures and, and also listening to other pastors, he's also in equipping you to be deacons. To do the work of deacons. In other words, you are to serve. <laughs> it's not, oh, I'm a Christian and I become, you know, I've got nothing to do. I've just, you know, this is just a breeze. And you let the pastor do all the work. Let me tell you something. I do believe that to some degree, the congregants are the ones that spoil the pastor. To, 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 to such a degree that the pastor ends up thinking like a CEO. It's because he's doing everything. And he becomes bossy. Because the congregants just say, oh, we're pews, we're in the pews. Or there can be another extreme where the congregants do everything and the pastor is just not, not measuring up. Friends, if you thought that ministry was a walk in the park, then you're in the wrong place. It will involve sweat and tears and sacrifice. And at times, at the expense of your own health. Ministry, we are to die in the mission field. It's a, it's a, it's a living organism. It's a moving train. It is not stationary. We are at war here. The church of God is at war. How many Christians do you actually know who actually know how to do life with other Christians? Eh? Think about that. How many Christians do you know who actually know what it means to be a believer in, in, in somebody else's life? How many? How many people do you, how many Christians do you know who actually can? Counsel other believers, some who commit to church membership, but are you never see them at church. They are aloof. They say, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a church member, I'm a member of this church, but they are aloof. You have never seen them in church serving. How many allow or at least let the church to offer counsel in decisions they are about to make? How many people allow the church to speak into their lives? When somebody's about to make a big decision or a big move to another country, some just go to the the air the, 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 the these um what are they called? Air travels. Uh, thing agencies and book a ticket and they get their bags and the next thing you know they're in Hong Kong and they say no I've got a job in Hong Kong <laughs> eh? I've got a job in Hong Kong guys whilst you have booked the train you, the plane you have not let the church speak into your life or actually counsel how many Christians do you actually know Sunday to Sunday 
who, who think about the taught word and interact with the word of God and see themselves in light of the word of God and wrestle with the truth. Like to, to really see this, okay, this was what was preached. What, who, where do I measure up myself in light of what the scriptures tell me? What sin am I entertaining in my life? What am I not doing? Where am, not, where am I not being diligent? What areas must I improve in my life? Should I lessen being on social media more? Should I cut out unhealthy friendships? Should I cut out internet time? Should I cut out television time? Should I, should I get more rest so that I'm not tired? Often. How many? If you're a Christian, think about what areas you need to change. Are you slacking in serving other believers, in evangelism, in evangelism, in being engaged in your local church? Now, this is what Paul is talking about. To equip the saints for the work of ministry so that the saints may build up the body of Christ, may build up others. If you lack in the area of hospitality, you need to be equipped in it so that you know how to serve your neighbor. If you lack in the area of being care, if you, if you don't care for your neighbor, you need to be equipped in that area so that you can pick up your phone and call. Ah, magadini, vari seva amu. Ah, nandakundusokonai. Vari muri boy, this is really right. Are you okay? This is really right, Jeremumba. Those type of things. If you're not trained, how will you be able to do that? If you're not being equipped, if it's not being preached on the pulpit that this is your Christian duty, you must give yourself to it. How will you be able to do that? Lastly, I'll say, I'll bring in the relationship between pastors and, 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 and saints. And then I will bring the gospel message. Pastors, evangelists, and teachers are ordinary. Like any other Christian. We are ordinary. The only difference is in the gifting. But not righteousness. Pastors and the congregants should serve one another. There is a beautiful illustration we see there. Of teamwork. The preachers equip the church to serve the church. The evangelists and the teachers equip the church to serve the church. The church must multiply itself. There are two pitfalls to avoid. One of being CEOs and then the other one of congregants abusing their pastors. Now friends, this is only achievable if you know the gospel. That Jesus Christ came as a man. The God-man. 100% man, 100% God. He came and died on the cross. So that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. 
And the gospel changes people's hearts and minds. The gospel changes the way people behave. The gospel changes the way people live. The gospel change when the gospel is set in your soul, you will be able to do these things to build up the body of Christ. You'll be able to. You you'll be able to see life in a different light and do the things that you previously could not do by your own. And you love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul. Believe in Jesus Christ today. There is life in Jesus Christ. Turn from sin and turn to Christ, all ye peoples, and you will be saved. Turn to Christ today. Amen.